Welcome to Lost in Revision. All of our content is public domain, literature, fairy tales, and folklore. Our goal is to at least break even to cover our expenses. So any support that you can offer to help us reach that goal helps keep this podcast going and you entertained. All of our music is by Nathan Hubble and is used with his permission. Thanks and enjoy the show. Chapter 6. Saviors of the Train. Part 3. What is it? Oh, what is it? said Phyllis. It's much too much magic for me. I don't like it. Let's go home. But Bobby and Peter clung fast to the rail and watched breathlessly, and Phyllis made no movement towards going home by herself. The trees moved on and on. Some stones and loose earth fell down and rattled on the railway metals far below. It's all coming down, Peter tried to say, but he found there was hardly any voice to say it with, and indeed, just as he spoke, the great rock on the top of which the walking trees were leaned slowly forward. The trees, ceasing to walk, stood still and shivered. Leaning with the rock, they seemed to hesitate a moment, and then rock and trees and grass and bushes, with a rushing sound, slipped right away from the face of the cutting and fell on the line with a blundering crash that could have been heard a mile off. A cloud of dust rose up. Oh, said Peter in awestruck tones, isn't it exactly like when coals come in? If there wasn't any roof to the cellar and you could see down there? Look what a great mound it's made, said Bobby. Yes, said Peter slowly. He was still leaning on the fence. Yes, he said again, still more slowly. Then he stood upright. The 1129 down hasn't gone by yet. We must let them know at the station, or there'll be a most frightful accident. Let's run, said Bobby, and began. But Peter cried, come back, and looked at Mother's watch. He was very prompt and businesslike, and his face looked whiter than they had ever seen it. No time, he said. It's two miles away, and it's past eleven. Couldn't we, suggested Phyllis breathlessly, couldn't we climb up a telegraph post and do something to the wires? We don't know how, said Peter. They do it in war, said Phyllis. I know I've heard of it. They only cut them, silly, said Peter, and that doesn't do any good. And we couldn't cut them even if we got up, and we couldn't get up. If we had anything red, we could get down on the line and wave it. But the train wouldn't see us till it got round the corner, and then it could see the mound just as well as us, said Phyllis. Better, because it's much bigger than us. If we only had something red, Peter repeated, we could go round the corner and wave to the train. We might wave anyway. They'd think it was only just us as usual. We've waved so often before. Anyway, let's get down. They got down the steep stairs. Bobby was pale and shivering. Peter's face looked thinner than usual. Phyllis was red-faced and damp with anxiety. Oh, how hot I am, she said. And I thought it was going to be cold. I wish we hadn't put our... She stopped short and then ended in a quite a different tone. Our flannel petticoats. Bobby turned at the bottom of the stairs. Oh, yes, she cried. They're red. Let's take them off. They did, and with the petticoats rolled up under their arms, ran along the railway, skirting the newly fallen mound of stones and rock and earth, and bent, crushed, twisted trees. They ran at their best pace. Peter led, but the girls were not far behind. They reached the corner that hid the mound from the straight line of railway that ran half a mile without curve or corner. Now, said Peter, taking hold of the largest flannel petticoat. You're not, Phyllis faltered. You're not going to tear them. Shut up, said Peter with brief sternness. Oh, yes, said Bobby. Tear them into little bits if you like, 
Don't you see, Phil? If we can't stop the train, there'll be a real live accident with people killed. Oh, horrible. Here, Peter, you'll never tear it through the band. She took the red flannel petticoat from him and tore it off an inch from the band. Then she tore the other in the same way. There, said Peter, tearing in his turn. He divided each petticoat into three pieces. Now we've got six flags. He looked at the watch again. And we've got seven minutes. We must have flagstaffs. The knives given to boys are, for some odd reason, seldom of the kind of steel that keeps sharp. The young saplings had to be broken off. Two came up by the roots. The leaves were stripped from them. We must cut holes in the flags and run the sticks through the holes, said Peter. And the holes were cut. The knife was sharp enough to cut flannel with. Two of the flags were set up in heaps of loose stones between the sleepers of the down line. Then Phyllis and Roberta took each a flag and stood ready to wave it as soon as the train came in sight. I shall have the other two myself, said Peter, because it was my idea to wave something red. There are petticoats, though, Phyllis was beginning, but Bobby interrupted. Oh, what does it matter who waves what if we can only save the train? Perhaps Peter had not rightly calculated the number of minutes it would take the 1129 to get from the station to the place where they were, or perhaps the train was late. Anyway, it seemed a very long time that they waited. Phyllis grew impatient. I expect the watch is wrong and the train's gone by, said she. Peter relaxed the heroic attitude he had chosen to show off his two flags, and Bobby began to feel sick with suspense. Thanks for joining us today. Check us out on Patreon. You can help us meet our small goal of breaking even and covering our expenses. Your support helps pay for all of the things that podcasting requires and helps keep this show alive and growing. If you can't afford to support us financially, go give us a good review, subscribe or follow, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to fact check us and offer suggestions to make our show better for you. You can also send us an email at lostinrevisionpodcast at gmail.com. There's a lot more waiting for us all at the end of the